All right, everyone, looks like we had a little technical difficulty, but that's that's okay, that's, uh, that's life. But I am grateful for our amazing, amazing uh, production team. They worked it out, even though there's a little bit of a, a, a glitch, but we are back on, and so we're just gonna um, get back to the discussion, get back in the discussion. So I guess to reorient everyone, we had been talking about the attack on Jesse Smollett, and we were just sort of just um, unpacking like, well, what does this mean for black gay men and how should we be sort of thinking about it? And I think, David, you were talking about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying something real deep. I can't pull it up completely, but it was real deep and I was really into it. Maybe it was Damien. Was yeah, the, no, Damien said D's. something like right off. Do you remember what you were You were saying that Damien said something that you liked. Damien said something that you really liked. Right. I was uh, preparing to say um, before we got disconnected. Um, one of the things that surprised me about the response to this was that, um, and also in the response to what you were saying about your own experience and how the memory, when you're traumatized in that way, um, can be spotty. Um, I was surprised by, in this instance with Jesse, as far as the reporting that was made according to him and his experience, I felt was detailed. Mm -hmm. He knew where he was, he knew what he saw, he mm -hmm. knew what he uh, heard uh, while he was being attacked. What surprised me was that the response from a number of people in, on social media was the need to verify his statement in order to believe him. Um, and I get that's the nature of, you know, social media not right on now. My, not on my social media. <laughs> really? I, I, yeah, I... Uh, it wasn't an explicit verify this. It was more no, I heard like, people, I, I had don't... people telling me about what was happening on social media. So I got a lot of people saying, Charles... All, you know, all my social media people are saying, uh, basically poking holes, in, poking holes in what you're right. saying. It's more like something, there's something suspect here. There's something suspect here, yeah. Besides what Which made me really sad. Reported. Like, it yeah, made me really, that really was sad. the more of the surprise. And so, to me, I interpreted that to mean, okay, you need it to be verified in order mm. for you to believe it, because otherwise you're still suspicious of what he's reporting that experience to right. have still suspicious. Right. Yeah. yeah, I just, I, I don't know. I, I was, like I said, I was reassured by the groundswell um, yeah. that people have. I didn't have anyone talk to me about how they didn't believe him or they were a little bit skeptical about it until I, I met somebody in person. And then this morning I started to see on social me media po posts about, you know, hey, do we know all the facts here? What exactly happened? Is this really true? And then it just started to turn, and it was almost like everyone had to take two separate different mm -hmm. camps. Like, either you believed him unconditionally or you didn't. And what I found disturbing was also that a lot of people were upset about questioning it or saying, like, hey, this story seems a little bit spotty, like it doesn't all connect. And then they were like, well, that doesn't mean he deserved to be beat up. And I was like, well, that doesn't... Yeah. I don't think anyone was saying that. I think people were trying to figure out. And so it's interesting, like I think you used the great word, like verification. It was almost like people heard him, but they wanted him to verify. But we see the same thing with transgender women. We see the same thing with black people just in general. We see the thing, same thing with women a lot too. Like they have to be verified or it has to be proven true before somebody actually acknowledges that this happened. Or, mm -hmm. you know, hey, we need to figure out the facts. Whereas, you know, some guy can just say, oh, this happened to me, and then all of a sudden everyone believes it and just goes from there. But 
you know, I think it's more reflective of kind of how this society looks at us as black gay men. We were talking about how people took different camps. The straight black people were like, oh, this is racism. There was the noose and there was this, that, and the other. And then gay whites were like, oh, this is a homophobic attack. And, you know, he experiences this homophobic attack. And I was like, well, didn't they say nigger faggot? So wasn't there a race part in there? Or was it just, you just heard faggot and you didn't hear the race stuff because in the gay community, we're all kumbaya and... You know, just David, you're race. so homophobic. I, I can't know. even deal with it. I really am. <laughs> it's my toxic um, masculinity showing again. Um, so for the black gay boy that's witnessing what happened to Jesse that sees it in the media, um, the black gay boy that's 13, 14, 15 years old, and paying very close attention to what's happening, what do we, you know, what do we think he should take away from this? Like, what as a community, what should we be saying I mean, I hope Damn. he's seeing the support. Like you mentioned, a number of other celebrities, and there's there's been a huge outcry of support, um, even yeah. like immediately. But what about almost. from other black gay men? Because I think a lot of us have gotten love and validation and support outside of our community. Yeah, I think that's why many of us feel like we have to flee our community because we right. think that sometimes grace and compassion and support can only exist outside of black gay men. Right. And if there's ever been in Atlanta narrative that's often it right yeah. so my question becomes you know where's the grace where's the compassion where's the support within the community like what was what is the message around that well i've seen a lot of it on social media mm-hmm. um i do think when it gets into social media i think we were getting into this before we got cut off um, social media is like this unfiltered news source and a oh. lot of us get our news <laughs> sources from social media and so we don't always know the truth, and we're—it's almost like this, mm-hmm. you know, a jury of public opinion. Like you, yeah. and that's based on our implicit bias, what we've gone through. So, like anyone that's gone through a traumatic event, anyone that's been uh, violent or you know had you know experienced some traumatic violence will immediately side with him. Other people that don't necessarily or believe that like, will will take a different side, which is very interesting. But then you know, I used yeah. to always wonder, like, why isn't you know, CNN or MSNBC, and that's because the reputable news stations have to actually figure out if these are facts because you don't see a lot they of bet, stuff. They bet the information Yeah, they bet the information they, first. Yeah. I think we got a couple of questions yeah. or comments. Yeah, Kasim made a point that, oh, the truth-finding necessary to support his experience is as old as the lynchings Ida studied in Memphis. Amen. Amen. Amen Thank you for that. And, you know, I mean... I think so many of us have had experiences where people didn't believe us when we've tried to tell our story or share something. You know, you think about, you know, and you think about black boys that might report being sexually violated and people, so I feel like so often we, we, we're not believed when, when we want to report horrible things happening. Um, even on our jobs, if we report, you know, someone being uh, hostile toward us, because I mean, there's just I mean, that thing about like who gets to be credible and who doesn't, mm-hmm. it's, I think it's just such a real, a real, moment we find ourselves in. Yeah, and I think the difficult part of it, too, is that, um, and I've been in different work situations where people have tried to throw me under the bus, um, and all this stuff kind of happens, and it is validating when someone who is, you know, a head administrator or running things actually says, I know you did the right thing. Mm. I believe you. Like, you leave. I had a situation like that happen with me with a clash with a different administrator who was lying (laughs) on me, doing all this other stuff. You know the details of all this. Um, But when the president 
sits in front of me and says, I know you're 100% right and you did the right thing. Mm -hmm. We looked at the emails, we looked at this, you did the right thing. Like I got into my car and I cried. I was like, yeah. oh my God. So I mean, that's a, a, that's a simple thing like with mm -hmm. work and stuff. So if you're traumatized, you ask the question like, what do we say to you know young black boys out there who are um, for white, bearing, bearing witness to this, who's seeing this, who's paying very close attention. Yeah, who's paying close attention to it, then, you know, watch it very closely, but don't be afraid. And especially if you read the social media and a lot of the people that are naysayers are saying that Jesse may be lying or this, that, and the other, don't let that deter you from telling your story. And Jesse's story is on a big national and international scale, but those of us that are kind of doing this stuff, um, it could be just, you know, in, within your family, someone is abusing you, something happens, and, you know, there's going to be a problem. But don't be afraid to bring it up just because you think nobody's going to believe you. Make sure you, you use your voice and vocalize yourself. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, David. Yeah. How about you, Damien? Do you have any thoughts about what the message can be for? Yeah, the, the same thing. Similarly, um, when the, I think when you were uh, initially talking about your incidents, like I, I had never had a physical violent experience. Um, but I kept thinking like, mm, surely something, <laughs> surely something. And then there, there was an incident um, in uh, maybe the early 2000s in Atlanta uh, at the intersection of Marietta and Peachtree. Um, where I was crossing the street and a car was making a right and I was waiting on that car to make the right and the passenger made eye contact with me and with a look of disgust called me a faggot. Mm -hmm. And a faggot. I was minding my business mm. just trying to cross the street and similar to what you just said, I thought my immediately reaction was what did I do to get clocked? Which now is so like really? Is that what that I? Was your big is that was right, right. that my concern? Like <laughs> what, was the, what was the tale? What was the tale? <laughs> right. Like and even that because you go into like is embarrassing self, to admit self disciplining mode. Right, and that's embarrassing to admit. And mind you, that was I was still I was still old enough in that I'm embarrassed that that was my first no, um, thought. Yeah. And so my hope for younger. Uh, black gay men um, is that you know despite these things you still live your truth you still exist in this world you still be you and you know it's a different day and age than it was in the early 2000s or late 90s right. um, and I think a lot of the young guys are living <laughs> living in a, a different type of existence than when I grew up but, and you know, I, but I still find that there are black gay boys and, and men that still experience homophobic violence. Sure. Still, like, I remember sure. I was talking to someone uh, maybe, like, last year, two years ago, a student in an Atlanta public school, and they were saying that they they're still witness homophobia. They still experience homophobia, homophobic violence. So yeah, I was like, right. I thought that this generation was complete. Not that it didn't exist, but, like, yeah. the very um, overt and, you know, yeah, it was, it was something else. Do we have any more questions yeah. or comments? Did we check out? Oh no, they're they're no, no we're good. We're good. So feel free to you know again react um, and and just share your questions or comments. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I was thinking as we were talking earlier, like 
you know, gets to a point where, you know, there's so many assaults on us. And I almost think this is kind of what capitalism and the NRA wants. Wow. Like, for us to, like, get into this war mentality where we're all, like, strapping. And I have a lot of yeah. friends who are like, I own a gun. and Black AIDS with guns? The Black AIDS have guns and now they're strapping up? Why does that sound like a movie title, Black AIDS <laughs> with guns? You got a question? Yeah. Um, Ken P. was just making uh, a point here. Hey, Ken P. <laughs> Ken P. reported that, um, or he was saying that, of course, the New York Daily News reported that surveillance video was pound. So there's that. But there is something to be said about how traditional sources have to legitimate our stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And they do that all the time. And I think, you know, people are saying now, and they're being very vague with it, like they found two persons of interest. Yeah. So they're, they're being very careful with the wording. They're not saying they witnessed the assault on the video or they saw the assault happen, what they're saying is they found two people. Now what that means, we don't know. But of course, on social media before we came on, there were people that were like, all those of you that were questioning Jesse, like here, they found two people, what do you, you know, how you like me now? And then other people were like, well, we have to be, you know, we have to wait for all the facts to come. So again, it's kind of like where you lie along this continuum. I'm not honest, you know, I'm not It's really side. interesting to see like, like the social side. dynamics of it. It's really I don't, interesting. You know, I'm so about, you know, I've shared this before. My social media is so curated. Like I only see cat videos <laughs> and that, like, I'm like, I cannot with the t- crazy, mm-mm. like my social media so because it's like I love I love I love my people but it's like sometimes it's just too much and a lot of people project you know you see so much of the best of us but you also see so much of the 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 pain Mm -hmm. um, that comes across and yeah like it's it's really unfortunate and again I'm not saying that I mean you know I believe in questioning everything I'm you know there are those that would consider me to even be a skeptic as you might find it's hard to believe but I mean ultimately my position all along has been we know that he has been harmed, and I just want him to be okay. And yeah. you know, there are investigations. There are people that 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 they're doing all that, and you know, information will come out. But right now, one of our own has been harmed, and for me, that's like the only thing I'm focused on. The right. who, what, where, why, how. That's not right. that's not what yeah. I'm focused on. It's above our pay grades. And it's not to say that you know, obviously, it's a racist, homophobic attack. I'm not saying that that should not be something that we're also grappling with, but. To me, the first issue is, are you okay? Are you good? Do we need to be sending positive energy? Because, I mean, ultimately, you know, one of our own has been been harmed. I mean, but what do you think about the idea of, like, you know, all of us need to kind of invest in guns and be strapped or be ready to protect ourselves or defend ourselves? Because it's literally... Who are these people that, that are buying guns at your friends? David, who are, who are these people? All black gay men. Black gay men buying what, guns. What, and what are the conversations that y'all... The conversations are, are just like, I'm scared because wow. this country is fucked up yeah. and there's a lot of shit that's going on and people can be racist, homophobic, and both. And I don't know when somebody's going to try to attack me and I want to defend myself. Did they go to the gun range too and stuff? They go to the gun range and they practice shooting and they do all that stuff. Yeah, Johnny. This is um, actually really wow. related to this point. So Kasim has two points that... Um, that were just made. So what should we do to protect ourselves, even though in America, as a black queer femme man who knows my safety is relative to the U, is relative in the U.S.? I thought about conceal and carry today. Wow. I checked in with loved ones and asked <coughs> what safety measures they were taking. Hey, Kasim. Um, Thanks, Kasim. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good point. I mean, what do you guys think? Like, I'm, I'm on the fence about it. Like, I, I, I have to admit, like, I, I'm for gun control. Like, I don't believe in, hand, like, I don't. Yeah. I think that it's, it is. I mean, I, I want people to feel safe, so I get it. Right. I'm not sure if by owning 
if all the the black gays started caring that we would it wouldn't protect us from structural violence certainly right so yeah. I think that I'm not I think it's more like one creating spaces in our community where we are able to comfort each other right um I think doing a better job of of, ha- of of facilitating care networks for ourselves like so many of us feel so isolated right even in yeah. places like Atlanta and DC and New York where there are a lot a lot of our community members many of us still feel isolated so I think having care networks and 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 having spaces where where people can you know, can can feel supported like even in Atlanta like I don't you know, like for forever, there used to be discussion groups, right? There'll be right. weekly groups where you can go and right. hang out and stuff like that. That doesn't even exist anymore, right? right? So, mm-hmm. um, I just think that we need spaces to to be able to support each other. I think we need to 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 just and just reach out to one another. Like I think that yeah. as a core community value, I think community care should be primary. And we could still have yeah. a gun, though, right? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. To each his own. To each, to <laughs> each right, right, his own. Because, I mean, they're not mutually exclusive. You can have a care network and still be packing. Go ahead. Um, this is actually specific to... Um, this is specific to Charles. This is from Kim P. Um, he says, but Charles, you mentioned that these sort of attacks feel overt. And I think that has something to do with why folks were not ready to believe Jesse. It even felt unreal to me but maybe this is where we are, and that is scary as fuck, and maybe we ought to get the strap. The gays are really strapping up. Um, <laughs> I look, talk to talk to David about the Well no no the no, no no no. Let me let me be let me be clear. I'm not an NRA <laughs> member. I don't own you a gun myself. Mike. I've never done any of this stuff. I, I do think because I, I get caught up in the capitalism part of it. It's almost like they want us to become this Lord of the Rings kind of cannibalistic. Like everything's just going to be anarchy and we're just going to be shooting each other and there's going to be a race yeah. war. Like right around the corner. And I don't agree with that. Um, I know when I grew up, my dad had a gun in the house. And I remember a couple times somebody came to the front porch and was trying to like break in. And my dad went and got the shotgun and literally came to the front. But did and he cock it first? Did he like he cocked it and the, guy ran, and the guy <laughs> ran. I'll also say that I had a situation one time in Philadelphia where I had a stalker that was coming to my place and doing a lot of stuff. And I was going through trauma, like having panic attacks when he would show up because it was someone I had met in, on Craigslist and I had messed around with before. And then it went wow. sour and he started like showing up at my work. He started calling, like he called 39 times in one day, threatening all this violence and all this other stuff towards me. And I remember I bought some mace and I bought a bat to keep in my thing because I'd never had a panic attack before. But when the, there was a, a call box downstairs and when it rang, and I looked out the window and I saw him, my heart started beating out my chest. And I, I remember thinking to myself, and I called the police and I was like, he's here, he's at the front door. And I started freaking out and I knew that I'd never experienced a panic attack before, but I knew that's what it was. And it was kind of the trauma of dealing with him. And it took me a while to get over that. Like I kept the bat by my door for a long <coughs> period of time. I carried the mace in my bag with me for a long period of time. I never got to the point where I felt like I needed to buy a gun, but I just, I felt for a little way, and it took about a year, a year and a half until I calmed down from that. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't worry about it anymore. But like, that's one event, but like, people that go through traumatic events, and I don't know what Jesse's going through right now, but I'm sure it's gotta be very traumatic. And hopefully he's Absolutely. not, hopefully he's not reading social media, he's not right. reading Twitter, he's not reading any of that bullshit, um, where people are like coming for him and doing all this other stuff. He'll get the support, but then he's gonna have these clowns he's gonna have to deal with. Yeah. But. It is hard, but I, I think there is a way we 
we have to be prepared to defend ourselves. You have to be vigilant. You have to keep your eyes open and, and me, all the time, which is an unfortunate state of affairs in this day and age. But we have to look out for this shit because people are always around the corner ready to do some dumb shit. And let me let me also say, Ken Pe- Ken P. Um, first, I was res- I reacted to your to your to your comment before I had thought about it, and you know part of it is that I always want to have something to say, right? Um, but the truth is, I don't know. I don't know how to protect blacking men. I don't. But what I am really interested in at this moment, and from here on out, is I'm interested in thinking through how we can protect our communities together. Right. Um, I, at this moment, don't have a good response. But I, I believe that if enough of us put our heads together, if we just start thinking through it, like, when one of our own is physically attacked, what do we do? What is the response? How do we create communities where we're able to protect each other. Like, really think through some of those hard questions. I mean, I know I've been on panels, and I know we've had, you know, there's, like, op-eds and think pieces and all this kind of stuff. But just on a very tangible, concrete level, like, what does it mean to protect our own? I'm very interested in having these conversations. Now, you know people have, like, there have been, like, black, gay, almost like mafias or gangs where if someone gets roughed up or yeah. bullied, like someone would kick the shit out of that same in person. DC. Like yeah, it's, yeah, and I've DC. heard these stories happen before. So, but do those, are those? But are those making people feel safe? I don't know. You know what I started thinking about? I started thinking about Song of Solomon by Toni Morrison. The seven, seven day. days. Seven days. Seven days. We're gonna talk about the seven days though. Okay. Um, Johnny, no, I, think I don't. I had a question. Mm-hmm. You sure. made a couple comments that relate to actually what everyone is talking about. So first and foremost. Um, Kasim just uh, said, but wait a second, it doesn't have to be an either or. Right. Um, at least David just may be hinting at this. Care Network with self defense can go together. No one is saying go NRA, but pepper spray, question mark, taser, yeah. question mark, something <laughs> That's young. what I was going like to say. That's what I was going to say. Someone in the middle, but they were go full on gun. I would probably pepper spray myself. So I'm like, I don't think I need to be fooling with nobody. It's like, I would probably get it wrong. You would be the wrong. <laughs> I'll probably have the wrong angle, but for, yeah, maybe I need a class on that. And uh, <laughs> I wouldn't trust myself with, with that. Kim P mentioned, um, I'm halfway joking, sort of, and guns can seem like a good solution. Maybe they are. But you also said, Charles, earlier about how this is a community thing. Um, I read that as structural and systemic. I just, I don't, I don't, if guns help blacks, if they protect, I just, I don't know. I'm not. I just, I'm not no, taking I'm the war. I'm interested in getting together, talking about what do we do? Like, what? And I know there have been different, like, every, remember, um, what was it, Rashawn Brazil? Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like there have mm-hmm. often been horrible things happen, and mm-hmm. then we have panels and community forums, but I'm not certain if and very tangible things came come, out of come that. out. And maybe there were, maybe, I don't, you know, maybe there were, and I just didn't know, but like, I feel like there's, there are, all, you know, there are these reoccurring things of, of, th- of things happening, and it's like every time it happens, it's like as if it's the first time. So, you know, and I'm like, well, what do we, how do we build on? Like, what historically can we learn from how our communities reacted to violence? And, and what are some of the best practices? What are some of the, but ultimately, I'm, I'm really interested in figuring out ways to make our, to help our, inspire a greater sense of safety. Even if, and I realize that in some sense, safety is an illusion. Like, is a black gay man ever safe in a society? I don't know. But, well, actually, I do know. But <laughs> at least to, so if not safety, what is it then? Maybe a sense of, you know that you got a community supporting you or that they got your back or something. Um, like, David, can I call you if I'm feeling... Like, can you bring bring the mace over? Because I I'm, I'm feel like, like... Like someone's just, about to... You shared, you shared your experience with the stalker. Did you tell him? Did you tell? Did you talk, tell anyone? Yeah, I told friends and I told um, community members. Obviously, yeah. I was in touch with the police and they were helping yeah. me out. But, you know, 
it was it was very traumatic at the time because um, he was doing threats on physical, uh, wanting to like spread salacious lies about me on you know on social media and YouTube and stuff like that, and so it was it was a little bit tough to swallow at the time. Yeah. I've had a similar incident with an ex where I've had to get an order of protection I did as too. well. Um, so you went to court and you went mm-hmm. to the whole Get a temporary restraining order. And funny that you say you went to court. Um, I don't know if you remember when Punt City Market, what's Punt City Market now, had the police and the oh, yeah. court in the base, mm-hmm. in basement of City Hall East. And the Lee Haney gym was over there. Uh-huh. Yeah. I remember I had to, in order to get that order of protection, I had to, you know, you present in front of the judge and pre- Having to stand in front of a courtroom full of people with myriad other cases mm-hmm. and say that I'm requesting an order of protection from another man and me being a 20-something man talking about another man and having even the judge, I feel, look at me like, right. why don't y'all just fight that out? Why don't right. y'all just work that out, y'all two men? Like, why are right. you wasting the court's time here right. for this dispute right. when I was more adamant that it was a domestic s- dispute wherein I needed protection. And, um, yeah, I just remember that feeling, too, and that goes back into toxic masculinity and all of those other things. It does. Um, But I never felt the need for a gun, either. And I just feel like armed, even concealed weaponry on black men in America is just asking for more trouble than protection. Um, So that, that would just be tough for me. And what I appreciate about what you shared is how often there are these institutions that exist to protect us, to provide safety and then you go into these institutions like a courtroom mm-hmm. yeah, and you are seeking help yeah, and you're belittled it's like it's like the they, they start you know, they start yeah. playing on your whole like yeah. thing and so it makes me wonder, are, like, are there folks that wouldn't even go through that? It was interesting. I had I'm to think sure. too. Oh, I'm yeah. sure, because I didn't even want to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I felt it was the right thing to do. And I knew if something were to happen to me, like that would be a trail but of y'all, evidence to protect me. Exactly. Yeah. But y'all asking us, what do y'all think in the comments? What are some of the things that you found that helps your sense of safety? How are some ways that you, within your friendship circles or communities, like, what are some other things that y'all have implemented, or are there are there ideas that you have about ways that we as you know black gay men how we can um, have a greater sensitivity? Jason, uh, Johnny, what's up? Yeah. So um, Johnny to has that a question. Point, uh, Kim P um, mentioned that violence, and if my, I think this is a question to everybody too, but his statement is violence is a condition of living in your truth on the margins, and that needs to be dealt with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what's interesting. Um, and thank you for that comment. I, I read something. Someone had re- and this is where I, I hate social media. Someone had reposted <laughs> a tweet um, after Jesse after the story broke about Jesse's assault, and was kind of blaming him and saying Jesus. like if he was a real man he would have fought back or he would have done this if he had just had this. And I was sitting yeah, there thinking to myself proof. like, what is wrong with people that yeah. they think that someone who can be like jump like that should have it's a sign of manhood if you actually defended yourself and who says he didn't fight back um and who says he didn't fight for a while and you know kind of run the guys off whoever assaulted him so it's just it's just kind of strange how we have this mentality about things and and these are people also (coughs) supposed to get on social media so you know my suspicion is that i wonder how many of us carry these messages that will say something like that but is that something that they 
practice in their lives. Like if you're attacked by like not. whatever, you know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 amazing what the yeah. people that the people that we become on social media aren't always the people that are always no. how we show up in our actual lives, no. and we give no. people advice. Um, it's almost yeah. like we're you know we, we have these avatars on social media <laughs> where we. You know, in, in, they're not who we are. It's like they we uh, inscribe all these things onto these these personas that we have on social right. media. Like, so in my life, I don't feel powerful. In my life, I don't feel strong. But on social media, you know, my superpower is dragging the girls or whatever. Right. Like, it's like you become this <laughs> complete, whoever you, you become this completely different. And I'm like, yeah. you know, that's why, you know, one of the things that people, I know my the people in my life and my friends get annoyed when I call them. Cause you know I don't do I don't do stuff on social like if if we're having an exchange I I kept the phone hey what's up hey what's going on because yeah. I know that we're on social media or we are like behind a monitor it's a performance it's a performance and you also get you get Definitely. the super you get the, the the superpower you start saying shit you wouldn't say necessarily shape of right the caddy right <laughs> right um, and we have a question that came in from Kasim is is Jesse's incident bringing us cisgender men experiences. Um, to the violence experienced by our trans sisters of color. Hmm. Is it? Could you say? Cause could you say a little bit more about that? Like yeah. I, I think I kind of get what you're saying, but could you like say a little bit more about what? And if you also yourself, it sounds like you probably also might have a perspective on that. So if you want to just kind of share what your perspective is, we'd also really appreciate yeah. um, just hearing you kind of weigh in on that. We just want to make sure that we responding to it in a spirit in which you offer. But thank you. Thank you for that. I really, really appreciate that question. Yeah, and I just heard some other story today about a, a, a black trans woman being murdered, stabbed or shot. Like, again, like just another another sister kind of struck down. It's just, it's, it's really crazy. And I think, you know, social media, I think all these things happen before. It's not that there's an epidemic of it, but we just hear about the yeah. news more often than we used yeah. to because um, everyone's kind of watching everyone's vigilant everyone posts on social media but I think the other end is that we also get distracted so like a horrible thing happens and we're all up in arms and we're enraged and then something. a week later it's like we're on to something else and I think there's something it's kind of scary to me about that like, short attention span short attention span yeah mm -hmm. um, and cause, uh, thank you for this follow up Kasim um, uh, and the statement is I've noticed how impactful this has been on cis gay men of color and yet um, what can we do to illuminate the experiences of trans women of color? Hmm. I absolutely think that we need to be good allies. We need to stand in solidarity. We need to um, support organizations. We need to support translated organizations that are out there on the front lines fighting the good fight. We need those of us that have platforms as it relates to funding. We need to make sure that um, trans, uh, black translated organizations are being funded. Um, we need to make sure that we are staying in solidarity. We need to make sure that we are um, listening and learning and 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 just being. Because um, I think sometimes the way privilege shows up is when you try to like center yourself in the experience of of, of trans women, and that's not our role. Our role is to um, be supportive. Our role is to. Um, to to like being a good ally isn't to make it about you, right? Um, and just right. really and truly using our platform to, but I, I mean, you know, my position all along has been that I, I think there there's a an important need for coalition building um, in our community, and that we need to be absolutely in solidarity every step of the way, um, because this is this violence is happening mm -hmm. to you know black queer and trans folks is mm -hmm. is it's it's really it's not just dehumanizing it's it's um 
it's normalizing our suffering as, as has always been the experience of black people in this country really mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if Jesse was not a celebrity and longer the privilege issues that you brought up at the beginning of this um, I think this would be another invisible attack possibly as well right. were it not for you know his celebrity so but it's also inspired the other together. end too it's like people are basically calling him a liar right so i don't know if his being a celebrity has necessarily inspired more compact i mean it's a double-edged sword to, it's a double-edged sword because i think that i've heard a lot of attacks on his credibility i've heard a lot of attacks on um you know what was he doing out there just all these questions like it's two o'clock in chicago you know yeah okay. but it wouldn't be invisible if he was or not it would be more possible to be invisible were he not Famous. Well, I mean, I, I mean, there have been lots of horrible things happening in black game, and it, it go, you know, it goes. And we fight to get those stories told. Mm-hmm. And we have to. This one got exposure and splash, and I think the fact that the FBI was involved and things started moving yeah. so quickly and evolving, and th- there was a lot of community pressure on it. There was a lot of celebrity pressure on it. There was a lot of political pressure with all the politicians that were kind of chiming in. So I think that part of it really helped facilitate the validation or the verification of what his story was. Whereas in other situations, like you do look at the Ed Buck situation, like it's just silence. It's just silence. All you have is this old ass Democratic donor, white guy, who preys on black men for a living. And he's just saying, oh, they just happened to be in my apartment and two of them died within the span of a year and a half. And we're supposed to believe that and just move on. And because they're two, one of them was a porn star, the other one was a prostitute. So therefore they don't get the play, they don't get Kamala Harris being able to say, hey, I really, this is really awful what happened to you and we need to fight this. You don't get Nancy Pelosi chiming in, you don't get Terry Crews or Steve Harvey. These brothers just die and nobody gives a fuck. And so Jussie is very blessed with the privilege that he has. It's horrible what happened to him. Um, and I know we're getting, uh, we're gonna get to a point where we, where we have to wrap up. But I do wanna say that, um, Two things. One, uh, Jesse, I don't know if you, you probably don't watch this show, but <laughs> if you do, I hope you're healing and I hope you're, you're doing yeah. well. Um, and I hope you get all the support you need to kind of get through this uh, and move forward. And if you need counseling or help or something to help you go through it, um, know that you have a whole community kind of behind you helping you out with this. And then to all the black gay men who are out there, I think this is kind of like a call. And I... When I'm looking at this whole 2 a.m. story piece, right? Like, what the fuck was he doing out by himself at 2 a.m. in Chicago? What that says to me is that we do have to create more of these networks. So whether it just be one friend or two friends, like, how many times do we go out to the club and you meet somebody and you don't tell your friends, like, hey, I'm going to be here and, you know, watch out for me, or I met this guy, if I don't check in with you in a little bit, let us know. So I think we can create these little networks. It doesn't have to be a big conglomerate network, but just between friends, like check in on each other. If you separate, say, you know, check in on me before you leave. If you're gonna leave, let me know what's going on. And so that way we can kind of be accountable for each other in case something like this does happen. um, We can get on it a little bit quicker because we may Mm -hmm. not be able to prevent it from happening like you guys are saying. But at least we can kind of be there for each other and support each other and act if something does go down. To that point and to the question that Charles asked earlier, Ken P made that very same point. Um, Specifically, Ken said, if I'm tipping out of my apartment at night, you better tip where I am going or just FaceTime, that could be be a paltry response 
it could also signal the usefulness of community or network responses to violence. Yeah, and you can also, I just thought about this as you were saying that, you can screenshot. So like supposing you're on Grindr or Tinder or Jacked or whatever, and you see somebody that you're going to hook up with. And, you know, there's sometimes where, like, we can be so horny that even though, like, our spidey senses are going off and saying, like, this seems a little bit weird, we still go with it because we just want to go out and get the nut. Screenshot the name of the person, the picture, whatever it is. Send it to a friend. I'm going for this hookup. If you don't hear from me, you know, reach out. But I just want to let you know where I'm going. Those are simple things we can do with technology and smartphones today that can really help kind of, like, create this network and at least provide some support in case something does go down. Do people do that? Um, I know some people who do, yeah. Like screenshot things and say, hey, this is... I know people say they do that. I wonder... And I'm not... What am I getting at? Yes, I've done that sometimes. Histor- in a different life. <laughs> um, but there have also been times that I Yesterday? didn't do that. No. <laughs> <laughs> in a different life. Um, Monday night? No, I'm... <laughs> uh, anyway. what, am I, what I'm getting at is that um, shame is such a intense feeling. And I think it may be hard for us at times to share even with people that we care about very deeply and trust very deeply some of the stuff that we're up to what we're doing Mm -hmm. right especially when we're doing things that may conflict with the public persona that we might have cultivated and so i guess i'm just also and i absolutely think people should do what you shared i think that's amazing advice david thank you for sharing Mm -hmm. that but i'm also wondering like are there things we can do when we are less willing to share with our friends Mm -hmm. some of what we're what we're up to um, and I know that we're getting close to wrapping up, but <laughs> they're having a good time in this chat. But here's what they're saying. Um, I, so Johnny says y'all are having a good time. Right. In this chat. Right. Right. Without sure us, that, we just can't make read. Sure, just make sure you like this video while you're, <laughs> while you're, and subscribe to YouTube while you're, you're having fun in the chat. Um, and, and time for our email list at thecountinative.org. Thank you. Um, yes. So um, JDG was just saying, hey, I always do that, the screenshot, hashtag screenshot. But Kasim said, hey, send your Google map directions. Um, Ken and I screenshot things for safety. And then Ken came back and was like, y'all so nasty when he's tipping out, um, he's tipping out to get a Reese's cup from the corner store. Is that what y'all are calling it now? Tipping out to get a Reese's cup. That's tipping interesting. Tipping out, yes. You put your chocolate in my peanut butter. <laughs> right. You got your peanut butter on my chocolate. Yeah, gonna be faint. Stop two, it. two great tastes that go great together. Anyway. Yeah, but I mean, y'all, for real, we definitely need to... And it, this so reminds me, because I feel like I've had this... It's almost like deja vu, because I've had... You know, I've been doing this work for what, like 20 years almost, right? So I've had this conversation so many times about homophobic violence happens. What, what, what are we going to do? What do we, you know, and it's just like at a certain point, we really need to start. I don't know if we need to start writing it down. And I think people are also doing great stuff, but just like, you know, especially for the people that are coming up after us, like the black gay. Um, and I just, you, I mean, like they're also men of a certain age that might be mm-hmm. coming out into community mm-hmm. too. So like if you're tipping out of a seniors community, Absolutely. like what does that mean? Um, so just having a... The, the, David, that's that is, the tip. That's the that's the tip. <laughs> tip. That's a walker. With the walker the that's a walker, walker y'all. The Still tip. It did. They're doing it. Back. <laughs> the Countinator Project is not an ageist organization. We <laughs> affirm the sexuality, at whatever part of in the lifespan that you're in. So we um, we want to be affirming and sex positive around uh, our you brothers. You can have a stroller or a walker and still be sex positive. But you were you were like mimicking it in a way that didn't seem very loving. That's not that's how you be doing it. It is loving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, this has anyway. been a really great show, y'all. Um, again, please feel free to comment in the comment box. Please like us and subscribe. 
and just really keep the conversation going. I mean, we'll keep monitoring the situation. And I guess as, as news happens, we'll probably just share it on our social media. Um, but yeah, let's definitely keep the conversation going. Um, are there any final parting words that y'all have that you want to share with our audience before we say goodbye? Be safe. That's what I would say. Yeah, I said mine about the screenshotting and best wishes for Jesse Smollett. I hope yeah. he's okay. Hey, you want to do you want to do the Walker again, just for our viewer? The Walker? That's the no, that's that's the not that's not tip. okay. That is, that is the senior tip. Um, thank y'all so much. Um, and we will be back next Wednesday. And our topic next Wednesday at 7 o'clock will be, um, is monogamy for me? <laughs> so we're going to be oh. discussing and unpacking all things related to that. You expert on that too? No. So, <laughs> <laughs> and maybe we'll get to go in depth a little bit more about tipping. Right. Um, thank y'all so much. And we'll see you next week.